all of us have what I would call coat hook events, days, occasions, events, or moments that change our lives and upon which the rest of our life hangs. Uh, Maybe it's falling in love and getting married, having a child, being in an accident or contracting an illness, hearing God's voice, receiving a specific answer to a specific prayer, um, maybe a certain vacation or a divine appointment, an apparently random meeting with someone. This past week was one of those coat hook events for me as we were privileged to experience the Vineyard National Conference. And as I prayed about this morning, I just felt nudged that it would be really beneficial for our entire church family if we took a one-week detour from our current sermon series on the book of 1 John to share some reflections from the week. We'll resume our series next week. And uh, I've also uh, asked several of the people that were able to go to share their perspective uh, in in this morning as well. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for a brand new day. It's a day that you've made. It's a gift from you, so we'll rejoice and be glad in it. We pray the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, blessed be your name. We bless your name, Lord, today for health, soundness of mind, faculties and capabilities that enable us to gather together here. May your kingdom come. May your will be done right here on the earth, even if it's already done in heaven. Lord, you know our needs more than we do. You know how we need to experience your kingdom in our lives, in our families, in our workplace, in our school, in our community. Come and bring your kingdom among us, and not just us, Lord, but right next door in Vineyard Kids as well. May we experience you and your kingdom. Put power on on your word and by the Holy Spirit to our lives today. In your name we pray. Amen. The conference was hosted by the Anaheim Vineyard in Orange County, California. This was the church originally pastored by John Wimber, the founder uh, of our movement. church is now pastored by Lance Pitluck, a friend of ours. Um, the church has changed radically in the last 16 years since John Wimber passed away. Uh, as real estate prices have soared in Anaheim, Young families can no longer afford to live in Anaheim or Yorba Linda. And so what's happened is the church has shrunk from 4,000 members to 800. It's a sobering reality that seasons change for churches due to things, in many cases, beyond our control. Now, it's nevertheless under God's sovereign direction. It didn't take God by surprise that real estate prices would increase and young families would be marginalized. But it is to say that we have to trust God's sovereign purposes for church churches over the seasons of life. Size is not the primary benchmark of the health of a church. Anaheim Vineyard is still a very vibrant church, but there are others that are much larger and even more influential in the same block as their church. Just for those of you who might be interested, the Vineyard Movement has approximately 600 churches in the United States, a 1,000 in 62 other countries around the globe. 
In the United States, there are about 190,000 members of the vineyard. So we're a very small movement, and we are a very young movement at 35 years of age. 80% of our churches are smaller than 300 people. 40% of our churches are less than 100, our size and smaller. So in many ways, we are a small church movement scattered around the states. There were approximately 3,400 people at the conference, 800 teens, 400 children, 300 volunteers. Yeah. Began on a Monday night, and then it was followed uh, with a morning and evening session on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with workshops in the afternoon. It was a very busy schedule. Uh, it was far from a five-day vacation, just in case you were wondering what I did this week. But each session was... Uh, introduced by a congratulatory video from a leader with worldwide influence. For instance, um, evangelist Reinhard Bonnke, a worldwide global, perhaps the most effective ministry of uh, minister of evangelism in the world today. Randy Clark of Global Awakening, Bill Johnson from the Bethel Churches, Pastor Jack Hayford, theologian and scholar Cherith Fee Nordling and others who expressed uh, deep gratitude for the influence and the deposit of the vineyard movement in general, and John Wimber in particular, in their lives, in their churches, and in their ministries. The Each session began with about 35 to 45 minutes of worship, a uh, great variety of worship styles, and uh, led by seasoned veterans in our movement, people who were gifted by God in the very early days of the forming of the vineyard in a way that revolutionized the, the way the world worships, all the way to brand new and very young and emerging worship leaders. I like the fact that it was a blend of both old vineyard songs and brand new, but really quite refreshing and the powerful presence of the Lord. After all, in, in our case, our, our, our first uh, value, first of four values, is genuinely experiencing God, and we were able to do that. Now, we're interestingly going to spend four weeks talking about worship at the conclusion of this current sermon series, Finding Real Life uh, in God's Great Story, um, with a hope of better understanding it and more fully and deeply experiencing God through worship. And then we'll be looking at the particulars of the vineyard distinctives in worship as well. In terms of the conference theme, it was called All In. Our new national director, Phil Strout, opened the conference with an explanation that all in means a number of things, but in particular, that we are a multi generational movement. You just look around the room here today, and you notice that's the case. All ages are important. It, interestingly, one of the things that Tina and I felt three years ago as we were praying about planting a church, we wanted to be a multi-generational church plant uh, because we're kind of the older people, uh, and we felt that it would, it would be really healthy to have a mix of younger people on the team as well. So we came here with a heart to be a multi-generational church plant and then to hear our national, newly elected national leader indicate that we, uh, that he felt like 
the word to the vineyard churches is that we're all in was really very encouraging. But furthermore, all in also means that we uh, want to embrace all cultures and as important. The vineyard nationwide and around the globe doesn't just speak English anymore, nor are we just a Caucasian movement. And that is very encouraging that the church around the world is rapidly changing. All in also refers to our response. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you might want to open to Matthew 14 or Matthew 13. In a series of parables, Matthew records how Jesus uh, talked about the kingdom of God, explaining his mission. And in verses 44 and 45, here's what we read in the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Jesus often uses all-in language when he issues an invitation to follow him. Follow him fully. Go all-in. Did you notice in either case, whether you, whether you stumbled into the kingdom by tripping over something buried in a field or you were on the lookout for the pearl, it describes the, the broad spectrum of ways that we enter the kingdom. Some of you were just minding your own business in life. And you, like, got, uh, like, ambushed. You know, you just, like, stumbled upon this treasure. Others of you were searching for it for as long as you can remember. You were, you were on an honest, sincere quest. And no matter which end of the spectrum, no matter how you got into the kingdom, Jesus calls for the same response. Sell everything you have to get the treasure. Sell everything you have to get the pearl. Jesus calls for all-in response. Now, while he gives time to process response, he always calls for a full heart, 100% commitment. Even when Jesus told uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, who were the fishermen by the lake, and he said, come follow me, and the stories in the gospel and Matthew and Luke say they left their nets with the hired hands in the boat and followed Jesus, that wasn't the first time they'd heard him. Actually, when you do a study timeline of the gospel of John, you'll understand They actually heard Jesus preaching by the Sea of Galilee almost a year before he issued that call a second time. So they'd been thinking about mulling over, perhaps listening to the claims of Jesus for the last year when he issued that all-in invitation where it says, then they left it all. They walked away from everything that they called normal and gave their full lives to follow him. So Jesus gives people time to process his invitation. But the call is always the same, 100%, all in. There are no part-time disciples of Jesus, at least not in the Bible. There might be in our life, how we live it out. But there's no part-time discipleship. Jesus said, all in, sell everything you got. Now, we're going to have to unpack what does being all in mean? And that's part of what we'll walk out in the days ahead. But Phil, our, our national leaders, has said this way, and I quote, if it's worth anything, it's worth everything. 
treasure in the field, the pearl of great price. If it's worth anything, it's worth everything. And there's no shelf life on all in. You know, especially those of us who are in the seasoned stage of life, we can begin to think, you know, oh, hey, I kind of been there, done that, gone to church, got the drill down. Yeah, mm -hmm, I'm in. I'm going to take a little break. But it was helpful to be reminded this week that there is no shelf life. The call of Jesus all in doesn't have a certain duration, after which time then you can retire from being all in and take it easy. At least not that we see. We need what Phil Strout calls a fruitful longevity in the kingdom, all in for the rest of our lives. And because of the way we're wired, we'll need friends around us to continually call us in deeper and deeper. That's one of the reasons we, we value doing life in community together, because we can encourage one another and, and provoke one another to go deeper into all in. In a, in a way of, of love and trust and understanding. So, and that reflects our, our second deepest value of authentically connecting with people but in, in love. Now, there were individual themes in the conference. I thought it might be just illustrative to, to go through a few of those with you to, to see where our movement is going. Uh, Louise Bush, uh, international evangelist, and Becky Olmstead, who's the co-pastor of the Colorado Springs Vineyard, talked about kids text that they use in Luke 2.52 says this, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And Becky talked about how in, in uh, all of our lives, there are developmental windows, and especially in children, a developmental window that we need to acknowledge. Um, right now, it's estimated that between 70 to 80% of people who follow Christ make those initial decisions between the ages of 4 and 14, sometimes called the 4-14 window. Now, a developmental window simply means that your hardwiring and genetic dispositions that God puts in us are, are more apt and more easily uh, moldable and shapeable. It doesn't mean that that window to follow Christ between the ages of 4 and 14 closes at the end of 14, and it just means it becomes much harder and that uh, to, to become an active disciple of Christ post-age 14 is just more demand. For instance, like, like I'd be interested in this room here today, how many of you would say that you were, like your, your initial steps towards discipleship or following Christ occurred between the ages of 4 and 14? Wow, overwhelmingly. That's about 80 to 90%. How many of you say you came to faith after 14 later in life? So about a maybe a half a dozen or... So, so even in this small, random, scientifically administered survey, <laughs> we, we can see that, that, uh, it is true that there's a developmental window of predisposition to, to follow Jesus that when we cooperate with it, uh, will, will work. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor. That's, that's the biblical snapshot of his youth. That's all we see. But, it, but it indicates there's a special, Time to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. Now, it doesn't mean that kids are more important than adults, but it does mean in our movement historically that they've been undervalued and we need to invest time, energy, and resources into kids rather than spending, you know, 80% of our budget on uh, the, the, the 10% of people 
that are, are coming to Christ later in life, we need to spend probably 80% of our budget on the 80% of kids, 4 to 14. So, yeah, when we're talking about storm serving together on a real mission, it's a, it's, a, it's a way that we can invest in our children, teaching and training and equipping them to actually experience God, to, to connect with others, and to compassionately and powerfully extend God's kingdom right where they are. They're not the church of the future. They are the church today. Jay Pathick, who's the pastor of the Mile High Vineyard in Denver, and Jenna Stepp, who uh, is on staff at the Portland, Maine Church, and is the director of the School of Heroic Leadership, talked about young adults. And their their point is essentially this, that our young adults need their own God story, and not just to be invited. <laughs> there they are. You'll meet the Hensoul girls in just a moment. But they uh, they need their own story, uh, not not just to be tag, tagging along to their parents or their adu- other adults' story. The question is, if not us, who? And if not now, when? Now, Jay challenged current vineyard leaders with this question. Why would young adults even want a comfortable, boring, sterile life that's been engineered against all fear, anxiety, risk, and discomfort? They probably don't. And he referenced Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, where the generation that followed Joshua, that never had to fight for themselves, succumbing then to the idols of the current culture. They never had to fight for their, for their own self. And so they, they were easily sucked in to the current culture. So we can't spare our young adults their own opportunities for risk and pain and failure. We're not going to rescue you guys, nor are we going to prevent your failure. Now, we might help shorten the recovery time for young adults learning on their own. But Jay and Jenna challenged the movement to say, we need young adults who are both humble and brave. We need them to be both. Now, the perspective in the vineyard, which really started as a young adult movement, in in the early days of the vineyard, John Wimber led a group of 17- and 18-year-olds to radically redefine what church looked like. But many of us that were in the vineyard as leaders and, and founders early on, couldn't get the blessing of our parents and their churches. And so we had no choice but to leave those churches and denominations and do church on our own, reinventing church, particularly contemporary worship, embracing the power ministry of the Holy Spirit and relevant ministry. But that's not so true for young adults today because now they're growing up in churches like the vineyard where those things are already extant. They're present. So the challenge is now, now they don't have to go do it somewhere else like we did. But how can we having these elements like bless and encourage young adults to stay in the vineyard and do life in their generation? Rich Nathan, the Senior pastor of the Columbus Vineyard, the largest vineyard in the nation, encouraged all ages to press into wisdom, which he defined as mastering life's complexities. And life is complex, isn't it? M. Scott Peck begins his famous book, The Road Less Traveled, with with this expression, life is difficult. The next book, Beyond the Road Less Traveled, he said, life is complex. 
And then further beyond the road, less traveled, he introduced the book by saying, um, there are no easy answers. And that's really true. Much of the Christian journey is going to be one of, of, uh, learning from the Bible on one hand and those, the experience of those who have walked the path before us so we can grow in wisdom and therefore master life's complexities. Rich said that really in many ways, much of the Christian journey, and, and the Bible paints the picture of the Christian life as a journey, following the path, getting on a path, following the journey. Much of it, whether it has to do with relationships or marriage or employment or finances is really a matter of learning how to make good decisions from the Bible and the experience of others as left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. There aren't any 30-minute like miracle makeovers in the kingdom. Now, God can move in a moment powerfully and dramatically and change things, but in many ways... Uh, the complex messiness of life is, is, is going to be solved by doing left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. It, putting into practice the things the Bible teaches us and what we're learning from others. Then Steve Nicholson, the pastor of the vineyard in Evanston, and Robbie Dawkins, formerly the vineyard pastor in Aurora, who's now a world-renowned evangelist. Some of you may have seen the Father of Lights and Finger of God movies. Um, encouraged us to stay all in. They said in particular seven things. We need to keep getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.17 would read, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine because that's excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and the construction of the of the language in that verse would, would more literally probably read, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time event that happened back in 1969. It, it's something that, that God intends for us to have a posture of continually be filled with the Holy Spirit, to lean into being filled, because we, we leak. We, 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 we need God to refill us, recharge us. Secondly, to keep telling stories. Stories have a way of, of stirring our, our sense of faith and expectation. But also, thirdly, we need to com- we need complete integrity in life and in the reporting of stories. We don't want to over-dramatize or stretch the point or evangelistically speak. So complete integrity in life and our reporting. Fourthly, we need to hold on to a theology of both success and failure. That's going to help us stay all in when we realize that the kingdom of God is already here, but it's not yet all the way here. And so we're going to live in the radical middle of the tension of the kingdom breaking through and and the kingdom not breaking through, and that that is normal everyday life. It's not going to be full and complete until the day that Jesus comes again and the kingdom is consummated or made complete. And they'll be there. They'll be under God's sovereignty and His direction. There'll be ways at which the kingdom comes and breaks in powerfully and dramatically in large and small ways. And there's going to be other times when the kingdom doesn't come. So a theology of power and a theology of pain, a theology of success and a theology of failure, are, are going to be where we have to live. Fifthly, uh, Steve and, and Robbie encouraged us to stay in the field of the harvest, and I would use the language. Like, stay in your three neighborhoods, where you work, where you live, uh, and, and where you do life. Because 
It's out among the people, the least, the lost, the last, that we see the kingdom of God most powerfully. Now, certainly we're going to continue to minister the kingdom of God whenever we gather together, you know, Sunday mornings in our small group when we hang out and do life. But, but the kingdom power isn't just so that our life can get better and more comfortable. It's so that we can take God's love and truth and mercy and power to people outside in our three neighborhoods. Sixthly, you need to endure through the desert times. Some of you as followers of Christ would probably say you're in the desert right now. The desert being a metaphor for where you don't feel like your relationship with God is very vital or that when you, when you pray, they, they go to the ceiling and bounce back or that maybe they dribble off your chin or that you just haven't seen God's power. You read the Bible and you, you don't sense any, any presence of God. Some of you may be in the desert right now. And Steve and Robbie reminded us that Matthew 4, verse 1 says, The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. God's Spirit orchestrated the desert. So don't resist the the, the desert. Embrace the desert as a, a part of your growth in staying all in. So instead of like quitting during the, the desert times, embrace the desert. And, and don't walk away from God in the desert. And then lastly, we need to train those who are younger. We need to invest our lives into the next generation, whatever the next generation is to you, you know, the ones right below or maybe two steps below, so that we can continually, compassionately, and powerfully extend God's kingdom. Uh, both of them told some pretty radical stories, uh, actually, about what God's doing around the world. And and how, in many ways, uh, changing the world starts like by walking across the street. We heard snippets of uh, stories about what God is doing around the Vineyard Movement, and some of them were, were phenomenal. And I, I had the privilege of being at a, a, a lunch meeting with people who serve in a, a leadership capacity in the Vineyard, of which I am. I oversee six vineyards in a two-state area. And um, uh, it was really encouraging to hear some of these powerful stories. Uh, I'll share just like... The broad brush picture of one um, at a at a vineyard in um, Tom Chisholm is from Reno, Nevada. At his church, a baby was born, um, but apparently like healthy, uh, the baby wouldn't nurse. Uh, the the baby would spit up immediately following every feeding. So they did a CAT scan and found out there was no esophagus from here to the top of the stomach in the baby. So they did a, you know, they're ready to medevac the baby to emergency surgery to try to figure something out. One of the newer doctors on the team, as they're preparing the baby to like do a medevac, uh, felt like they should do one more CAT scan for one more reason. And they found out after prayer that, that there was an esophagus. And they have CAT scan evidence of one CAT scan with no esophagus and a second CAT scan with a complete esophagus baby's doing fine. I mean, that's like, I'm sitting at the table, the pastor who's telling the story. So I'm hearing it like, like firsthand. He went to the hospital to pray with the grandma for the baby. Pretty phenomenal. Another pastor sitting at our table uh, told a story of a man who had a rather advanced case of Crohn's disease. Crohn's can be, uh, as some of you know, Crohn's can be very moderate to very severe. And you don't, like, just get cured from Crohn's. It can be managed with medication and diet, but um, 
They prayed for this guy and long story short, got supernaturally dramatically healed. And they know because they did a scope and there was no scar tissue in, in any way in the intestines. So that's like pretty, pretty dramatic. That's one of those kinds of healings you don't hear of very often, you know. Things like rheumatoid arthritis and diabetes and Crohn's, those just aren't things that get healed like by themselves. But uh, that was. Anyway, it, these were just two of like dozens of stories that, that uh, are illustrative that God is moving among the vineyard. That night there was a powerful ministry time for our, our whole group. We, we uh, uh, as a group, kind of sat together and... Um, the, the Holy Spirit was moving at the end of that. This was our row, if you can see. So there's my wife, Lori, Jim, Jeff Mills, who you'll hear from in a minute, Jeff Huber, one of our young adults, and then two of the three Hensel girls. So um, just our whole group was getting prayed for, or praying for one another, and, and then I, I asked the group to pray for me, and... Um, uh, I, I could, I, I'm, I'm not much of a feeler, like, you know, my wife says that all the time. Um, no, 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 no. But I, 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 with my eyes closed, I, I, I felt as if I were holding two glass globes that were on fire and the heat radiating down my arms. I, I don't know what all that meant other than I could really sense God's presence. And because my eyes are closed, I was not aware that, that that night from the stage, they called out that God's moving powerfully in this section of the auditorium. And there was a guy like, again, a couple of rows in front of us. That's who they were pointing to. So it was like we were standing in the middle of all that. But uh, for me, it was just that God would, would not, not hold anything back, that I, w- I would not, out of either fear or insecurity, hold back from what he wants for our church family. Um, and uh, I don't know, that was just really, really, really powerful. Look, Hugh Heidkamp and Christina Cleveland, who are from the Mercy Vineyard in Minneapolis, encouraged us to intentionally engage in cross-cultural relationships, noting that the first thing the Holy Spirit did when he fell was not necessarily work a miracle or a healing, but to unify radically diverse people from 15 different nations or, or people groups. And so they said, honor the image of God in others by being with someone you may not otherwise be with, acknowledge that you have cross-cultural blind spots, and volunteer in a cross-cultural ministry. So the vineyard movement is changing. Uh, We're a better movement when we're more diverse. We could tolerate a lot more diversity in this room. Look around. And then Phil Stroud, our national leader, concluded with an encouragement on the posture of the heart. If you have your Bibles open, flip to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. So no comparisons, only cheer for others. We've all got assignments. The only differences in the kingdom are not differences of importance, but of function. So everybody's callings are unique and different. Bless those and have a great heart as we do. Let me share just a couple of takeaways, and I'm going to invite the, the balance uh, team up. Uh, for me, it was very encouraging, very refreshing. Felt like, for me, reconnecting with many family, extended family members, because uh, so many of the people in the leaders of the vineyard have been around for so long. I'm, I'm really grateful for our movement and God's sovereign foundation in the vineyard for our lives. But I, I, I believe that God is, is challenging us to continue to press into extending the kingdom and radically changing our world. 
And for me, I think it means we're going to, that I'm going to have to trust God in a number of ways, especially with regards to the future of our church family. Continually release insecurity, release fear, intimidation. Uh, we, we're going to have to find our niche in Peoria. We're going to have to be patient for fruit to come. We're going to have to be willing to embrace the limits of our church's measure, whatever that might mean. Um, but that's an encouragement for me to just trust, trust God as we extend the kingdom. Uh, we're going to have to be willing to invest in, in uh, leaders, invest in women, invest in young adults, in disciple people. It means, in our case, eventually adding staff, investing in cross-cultural missions and church planning outside of our borders. It means uh, pressing in to see the signs and wonders that, that Jesus died and paid for uh, among our, our lives and ministry. For me, it was also really important to receive ministry, um, for, for the Holy Spirit to, to touch me, um, uh, and, and in a way that just in the normal rhythm of life doesn't happen. And then, um, I, I was also invited by the Holy Spirit to consider writing as a way of depositing in the lives of others, something I've really resisted. Uh, <laughs> go figure. So at this point, I'd like to invite up Jim and Lori Hensold and Grace and Rachel and Joy and Jeff, uh, Mills and Jeff Huber to share their perspective. And then I'll wrap it up with just a few concluding comments. Okay, I'll go first. We've been given a directive of two minutes, so <laughs> I'm Jim Hensold, and uh, I was privileged, really, to attend the National Conference in Anaheim this past week, and it was really an awesome experience. Hearing from and just being around uh, the leaders of, of our movement um, it was it was truly awesome. Each day was packed, so full. Uh, I really couldn't begin to share all of what was poured in. Although I felt like Ben did a pretty good job of summarizing. Bill Strout, the leader, gave the illustration at the beginning of when he had two hoses on the stage. One was a garden hose, and the other one was a fire hose. And he said, "You choose. You know, you want you want to be refreshed by being sprinkled." You want to be sprayed down with a garden hose or do you want to stand in front of the fire hose? You choose. And so it, the, it was awesome, the, uh, to say the least. I was also impressed by the diversity uh, that was there, um, the, the diversity of music. I enjoyed, enjoyed it all, even though there are some styles of music that I wouldn't like a lot of. Um, a little bit is always, it's enjoyable, you know, to, to just, you know, not eat the same thing every day. You know, you have diversity and multi-generational, cross-cultural. Um, we were surrounded by, by the diversity there. Um, God's interested in a relationship with every human being. Uh, each one of us are, are unique and have unique needs. So yes, uh, that includes me. He wants to have a relationship with me. He wants me to reach my fulfillment and and that means the same for you. It also includes those in your three neighborhoods, like Ben alluded to. It includes people that might not be in any of your neighborhoods because they're not fortunate enough to have a job or maybe not even have a home. God's individual is interested in all of those as well. Uh, there's a place for everyone to become involved in what God is doing. And um, everyone gets to play. Everyone has a part to play. We need current stories. I heard that 
and believe that. Um, we, we need God stories that involve us personally and individually, not just in our midst. Everybody needs to have their own encounter and their own story. Our kids need to have current stories. So I was challenged. Um, when we were contemplating our move to Peoria, our intention was to come help build God's kingdom here as a part of this church. Uh, so my prayer really is this. Lord, what part in advancing your kingdom here is mine? And what would what part would you want me to play? So um, I'm going to have my daughters share and let Lori play cleanup. <laughs> then do. So who wants to be first amongst the girls? Hi. None of you know me. <laughs> I am the oldest daughter. And, yeah, I guess that's all you really need to know about me. Um, I went with this crazy group of people for a whole week in Anaheim, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and I did the spiritual formation track, which was really interesting to me. Um, it was kind of just figuring out how to be healthy, not only um, emotionally, but spiritually and every other way, basically. Anyways, so I just I took away from that that like um just finding your quiet time with God is really important like in the hype of life and in the hype like it can be with the Holy Spirit there can be a lot of hype too and just very emotional but just to find that quiet time where you're just sitting with God not for anything not necessarily to pray for anyone or to get any requests in but just to be like all right God this is my time where you and I just get to chill like where you and I just get to hang out and then just getting used to that and getting used to just being in, in his presence. Cause a lot of times we're like just so on the go, like in our lives, I know I am, which is crazy, but um, just to realize that there's that time that we just need to spend like just with God. And then, and then when you get all stressed out to be able to go back to that spot and just for a few minutes, be like, okay, God, you're here, you're with me, you're, you're walking with me through this journey that I'm going through. So there we go. Okay. I'm Grace. It's weird. Um, I'm the middle child <laughs> and <laughs> I was in, I was in the same one as Rachel, the spiritual formation and, um, everything she said is really so ditto kind of to what she just said, but I'll say something. else. Um, I really enjoyed the fellowship, like being with everyone for the whole week, just like our people and then everyone there. It was just like experiencing God's love through others, like through others love. And like just we did fun stuff together and it was just, I mean, it was just a good time to experience God's love, like through the fellowship of other people. That's <laughs> Hi, I'm Joy. Um, I'm the youngest and the funnest. Just kidding. <laughs> no. Um, but this week, God just really revealed himself to me and to all the youth that were there in just really big ways. But um, there was one situation in particular that really stood out to me. Um, one day during worship, we were standing there and I looked over at this girl and she was just kind of like sitting by herself and stuff. And I felt God like tugging at my heart. He was like, you need to go pray for that girl. So <laughs> I went and I kind of sat by her and I was like, 
hey, I feel like I should pray for you. <laughs> just like, okay. So started praying for her. And God just totally like spoke through me. He gave me words like worthy and beautiful and valuable. And she just missed. She just started crying. <laughs> so it was really awesome. And we just like went in the back and started talking. She started telling me what was she was going through and stuff. And she was like, you totally just like started praying about exactly what I'm going through. And I could tell that it really had a big impact on her. So that was awesome. And I just wanted to challenge you guys to just not be afraid to step out and be bold in Christ. Hello, my name is Jeff Huber. And yeah, so I went to the conference this last week. And my takeaway, I guess the biggest one, hold on a second, let me check my time. Okay. Was, um, Oh, that's really helpful. Thank you. Um, was mainly just seeing, talking about all in generationally. And, um, about two years ago, I was living in Columbus, Ohio and, um, made a friend named Bob. And he, like, has been around in the vineyard since the beginning. Um, actually at Calvary Chapel before the vineyard even started. Um, and so he kind of took me on his wing for, for the few months I was there and really mentored me and, like, spoke a lot of things in my life. And I saw him there. He was at the, at the church planting booth. He's working communications there, apparently. Um, so it was great to see him. And it was just an unexpected, really rich, like, reunion. Um, where, like, I was able to tell him some things that he had, he had shared with me that he felt maybe I was going to be moving into that are coming true, like, longer term things. It was really good to see. And, um, so that was really good. And I ran saw him at the airport, um, when we were leaving on Saturday morning. We talked for about 15 minutes. And he shared with me just this little story about, um, a person that he had come in contact to when he was in California about 25 years ago. Um, was this man who was going to be in the Olympics for like professional, like water polo and things. Um, and he ended up bringing him to Christ and mentored him. And now he's been a vineyard pastor for like 25 years up in Hyde park where my sister actually went to church um, when she was living in Chicago. She, I don't think he was pastor there then, but she ran into him there. Um, so it was really cool just to see that the actual like 25 year. I mean, it's the lifetime. So getting a vision, I guess, for like lifetime and what it means to actually like start now. And, and really, I feel like my life and where I'm going has just been defined by those who have poured into me, like Ben and like Bob and countless others that have just really looked down to the younger generation. So that's something that struck me as really important. As a Hi, my name is Lori Hensold, and those three in the middle are my daughters. And apparently I use my hands when I talk a lot. <laughs> Because I noticed all of them doing this the whole time. So, okay, there we go. We'll start. Um, I have a, a few things that I wanted to just kind of share a little bit in my remaining one minute. Um, and it, it kind of leapfrogged off of what Rich Nathan said about the journey idea. And the scripture, a piece of the scripture that he used, he talked about all of Proverbs 4, which is great to go read, but... The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't, this is my word, even know what makes them stumble. And that concept of seeing life as a journey, and you'll see a lot of examples of that if you kind of look in scripture overall, um, not, it's, it's more of a walk. It's not like pole vaulting or riding in an airplane or running, it's it's a walk, it's a journey that we go through. And and the answers that we get from God a lot of times are not that instantaneous, big, 
all at once thing, but they are kind of those journey like answers, a line upon a line upon a line that, that we're growing brighter, just like dawn does. You know, we don't get dawn all at once. We get it gradually over the, over the morning. Um, and I thought he really did a good job of illustrating that. And it gave me hope to feel like, you know, instead of looking at my life as, something that has to be accomplished in the series. And if I don't get everything just right, you know, the whole building tumbles down. It's not like building a building. It's more like walking a walk. And I guess that makes sense since we consider ourselves followers of Jesus that we walk and every day we might make a choice that's maybe going away from where Jesus is. And every day we have the opportunity to choose to go back in that same direction. And when we interact with others, it's come along on the journey with me. I'm walking this way. Come walk with me. And if I start way back here, if I start way up there, uh, we're all headed the same direction. We're all walking together. And I thought that was just a, a, a kind of a releasing thing for me personally to feel like it's not like all these expectations, all these performances. It's just walking. We can all walk, right? It's one of the first things we learn to do when we're very little. And the other thing was, you know, even as Ben asked us to think about um, sharing this morning, just the power of reflection, the power of making me think about it. You know, I had to actually go, hmm, what did God say to me? Hmm, what did I feel like the Holy Spirit was stirring in me? And And whether you go to a big conference or you come to a Sunday morning service or you just have quiet time on a daily basis – taking time to reflect and say, okay, God, what is it that you're trying to say? Because I'm a little dense here and I don't always get it right away. But that was a very powerful piece of, of sharing this morning was taking the time to just kind of reflect. So I just want to leave you with that. Yeah, Ben said two minutes. And I said, oh, man, I'm in trouble. So, Mark, if I go long, just cut the sound. We'll be good. Uh, one thing I'll submit to you is you don't really know someone until – <laughs> you pack 11 people into a crammed hotel room at 11 p.m. with root beer floats. That's that's when you really that's when you really start to know someone. Uh well my God intersected me most powerfully uh in a very spiritual moment at the uh Intercontinental Breakfast Buffet line at the uh Fairfield Inn. Um and I think I was sharing that with Ben and he had a good observation that sometimes it's just like being at rest and God intersects us when we're at rest, when we least expect it. It's not necessarily in the pursuit of particularly what we might consider a spiritual moment or endeavor, but it's like just being at rest and letting him meet us. So I was building my breakfast at the, uh, the Fay line, you know, something really hot and nutritious like Quaker oatmeal. <laughs> so I had my oatmeal, and I got to have things on my oatmeal. I'm kind of raisin and walnut guy. So they had raisins and walnuts. But the walnut halves were in a little styrofoam container. So I had this measly little, you know, those silly uh, small white plastic spoons that they have. So I'm chasing these walnut halves around the container trying to get them all in my spoon to get them in my oatmeal, literally. And they're spilling out over the edge. I'm like, oh, come on, get out of here. <laughs> and it was in that kind of 
moment when I very clearly hear, heard God's voice. And he just said, just take, take the one that's already on your spoon. You know, here I was trying to get them all. I was trying to get a spoon full. And I was trying to get them all on there before I, and he just said, just take the one that's on your spoon. And the part of the story you don't realize is that that morning I was just feeling completely overwhelmed. It was a Wednesday morning. So we had done Monday night. We had done all day Tuesday. I came in Wednesday morning and I'm just asking what, where is my place in this thing? There was this amazing worship. There's these amazing missions. There's this amazing, you know, interracial reconciliation. There's all this stuff happening in the vineyard and in the big C church worldwide. And it's like, I just got overwhelmed with where do I fit? What's my place? And so in this walnut chasing moment, the breakfast line of the Fairfield Inn, God's saying, just take the one that's already on your spot. So maybe you have that feeling of where's my place? Where's it? Where do I fit? And I think, I think the word of God is just take the one that's on your spoon. What, what does he already put there for you to do? Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Just a, a couple of last words before we move to a time of worship. Um, what does it mean moving forward for our church family? Well, You've already heard a number of perspectives, and hopefully you've been hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit to you through everything that's been shared. You're not left out because you didn't go to Anaheim. That's the whole point of the morning. We're we're inviting everyone in our church family because we're all in. I'm all in. We're all all in. Those of you who are in your heart are saying we're in. I, I am really deeply, profoundly grateful for our heritage in the vineyard. But on the other hand, we're no better we're just different than all the other 649 churches in Peoria. But I think we have an incredibly positive and hopeful future together. I am excited about where God is taking our movement. And and I want to continue to risk being a kingdom of God movement. Uh, when, when Phil was asked, where's the vineyard going? He said this, and I quote, We're going forward into all the world to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom, to plant churches and make disciples. That's where I want to go. And I'm inviting all of you to be all in with us in our services, in our church life, in our individual lives. We're going to go all in. We're going to unpack what does it mean to be all in, you know, as an engineer, a stay-at-home mom or a teacher, an architect, an engineer, uh, working in retail, food service, a student, retired, unemployed. We're going to unpack what does it mean to be all in in the the 99.8% of you who will never work full-time for a Christian organization or a not-for-profit. But that's where we're going. And and it's going to be messy. I just want you to know, I don't want a clean, antiseptic, evangelical church where we get three nice points and go home to live your life. Now, that's not criticism of any other church. I just don't want that. That's not me. If that's what you want, you're not going to be comfortable in the vineyard because it's going to be messy. Now, I'm not advocating either for chaos. You know me well enough to know that. Uh, I just want to allow for the Holy Spirit's inbreaking. But you know what? Fire is not predictable. Now, fire in the middle of the living room floor burns the house down. Fire in the fireplace is good, but it's still not predictable. And so we're just going to tolerate burnt cookies all along the way. I'm going to do my best to try to make the Holy Spirit's work among us intelligible and edifying, because that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to 14, what he wanted. He wanted the work of the Spirit to be intelligible and edifying. But he said, let all things be done. 
And so I want to, to say, Lord, move among us. Take a risk. Let's create an environment when we gather together for you to move. And, uh, I, I want to be that. I, I want to, I want to see the kingdom of God come. I want to, I want to facilitate being a church family where that happens. And, and I know that's, that's uncomfortable. I still get uncomfortable when we say, come Holy Spirit. And I've been doing this 35 years and it still makes me nervous as heck because I never know what he's going to do or if he's going to do anything. And uh, lastly, I just want to say, God's not done with you yet either. That's the reason, I think, in part, why you're here. Because you're hungry for something more, something different, something unique, something um, to do. You, you've got gifts and talents and abilities and experience that God wants to leverage for the sake of his kingdom. And who knows what it's going to look like in the vineyard pure? None of us, because it's going to take the collective, all of us, putting in us a big brown paper bag, shake it up like shake and bake and dump it out, and there we are. And and we don't know what that looks like until we all bring what we bring. There is no template for the Vineyard Church Peoria, is what I'm saying. We we want to trust the Holy Spirit to take the gifts and talents and passions and dreams and desires in all of you and forge something together uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to continue investing in the lives of people. We're going to start a, a, a discipleship program this fall called Thrive. I want to see uh, many groups, uh, discipleship groups happen. I want to see the kingdom of God come. I want to teach and train some of you who feel called to preach and share. With, I mean, th- there's just lots of stuff on the horizon. I want to invest and provide opportunity for you to, to explore the boundaries of your gifts. And, and we're small, and it, it, we may not be able to do everything all at once, but we're going to get there. Because I am thrilled with the, the future that God's got for the Vineyard Movement. And I want to invite you to come and be a part of it. We'll bless you if you find out this isn't where where you need to be. We're going to bless you, uh, but, but we're going to if you're here, we're going to say you're all in. Lord, I'm just so grateful that our best days are ahead of us in this local church and in our movement. And I'm grateful for every person that's right here in in our church family. I'm I'm thankful God for the part that we play, uh, for their investment of time and energy and resources and prayer. I thank you that you've got a divine purpose for us here and in our movement in the United States and around the world. And I thank you that that in many ways there's a spot in your field that only every individual can till. And I pray, God, that you just continue to speak to to all of us at what that is. Now, Lord, as we uh, tell you that we love you by giving to you our hard-earned money in an offering, and we lift up our hands and voices in songs that our worship team leads. We pray that you take these for what they are, gifts that say we love you. In your name, amen.